You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Catholic Chicago with today's special edition of Catholic Schools Today. Father Greg Sakowitz, the rector of Holy Cathedral. We are live streaming, but no need for me to be with a mask on today because my partner normally, Mark Teresi, is not here because being Catholic Schools Today, rather by phone from home, Dr. Jim Rigg, superintendent of Catholic Schools here at Diocese of Chicago. Jim, I miss you here in studio but we are really doing what I call social distancing from here to your home. Absolutely. Uh, I wish uh, I could be in the same studio with you again, Father Greg, but I know that it's uh, not possible at this time. So it's, uh, it's great to at least connect with you over the phone this morning. It's amazing that we were talking before the program started. The last time you and I were in studio together was the Monday around March 10th or 11th. Before that, yeah, Saturday, March fourteenth, yeah. March ninth, and it, uh, and so every program since then, April all the way through December, I have been in the studio. You have been at home, and isn't it funny? When it, it's not even funny when it started back on March fourteenth, and the stay at home was till April seventh. I thought to myself, okay, we'll still be open for Holy Week and Easter. Then it remained closed until June fifteenth, and here we are, Advent moving to Christmas. And we're still with the pandemic, but thank God it seems to be a vaccine is on the horizon, like real soon, and hopefully can we can start beating this virus. Yes, fully agree. And of course, uh, you know, Father, that um, we moved to virtual learning shortly after our uh, last show face to face together there in mid March, uh, and we moved to virtual learning uh, for the remainder of the school year. Uh, at the time, we thought it was only going to be like two or three weeks, but it ended up being much longer, obviously. And, of course, this school year, we have reopened all of our elementary schools for in-person, full-time in-person instruction. And uh, so we now have almost a full semester under our belt of uh, in-person instruction and implementation of all of the, the health and safety practices that have successfully uh, protected our kids and employees this year. Now, Jim, I have a question. When uh, Thanksgiving mm-hmm. came and went a couple of weeks ago, did some schools choose to go at home learning or are they back in school? Yeah, so we, you know, right ahead of the Thanksgiving weekend, we did a, a pretty thorough survey of our students, uh, our parents, and our employees, and we found that the vast majority. Uh, wanted to remain in person through December. I know there were some worries about people who were traveling over Thanksgiving right. and the uh, need to quarantine for two weeks uh, following that travel. And we'd really encourage, it's tough to do this, but we really encourage people not to travel. The CDC and other health agencies have said it's just not safe right now. And obviously there's an impact on people's ability to come back in person. But based upon uh, survey results, uh, we did allow about 20% or so of our schools 
um, to move to virtual learning for, you know, one week or two weeks or three weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So we do have a set of schools right now that are learning virtually, especially this week. Uh, virtually all of those schools are, are, uh, are learning online this week. But still the vast majority of our schools are in person uh, this week. There's still widespread support for in-person learning. Uh, I, I receive a lot of uh, praise for how things are going in our schools, and that's very nice. But, you know, the, the real credit uh, goes to our uh, teachers and principals and school staff members that have worked so hard with their students uh, this year to make sure that all of our health practices are in place, the, the yeah. masks, the distancing, all of the cleaning, all of the uh, uh, immense amount of work that's been required this year. But it really has paid off. You know, Jim, I'm not sure uh, people are aware of just how much work principals, administrators, teachers, the faculty, everyone, because being the rector of the cathedral, when there was shutdown and the reopening, everything is double work because you are creating the wheel. You're creating, you're going, you're, as you're, you're doing as you're going along, and there is no playbook. Well, and we have about 18% of our students learning virtually the full year. So we uh, allowed families to choose a, uh, an online learning option. And so many of our teachers are teaching kids both in person and virtually simultaneously, it's double. which is uh, effectively doubling their work. And again, our teachers have been so just grace-filled and courageous and heroic this entire year. They've just done such great work. And so, uh, so much credit and praise goes to them and to other school employees. Now, I know, of course, Jim, you have children in the system, the archdiocese for Catholic schools. I don't mean to get personal, but now for your children, what's been the hardest adjustment for them? Because I was was talking to my brother last week. I said, you know, Adrian, to be in grammar school, high school, or college today would have to be so hard because things we take for granted, you know, playing football, going to a basketball game, socializing in the classroom, in the cafeteria, sports during the lunch period. I mean, just the normal things we do, weekend activities. For young people, this has to be such a tremendous, hard adjustment. Yeah, so I I do have four kids, uh, two at a Catholic high school, two at a Catholic grade school. And, um, you know, in talking to them, I I think they've they've done remarkably well with the health and safety requirements. And after you, you know, wear a mask for a few days, you kind of get used to it, I think. I think the greatest sacrifice for them, if you were to talk to them, has to do with the extracurricular activities. So as you said, not being able to participate in sports. My kids are musical, so not being able to play in the band or do the theater program, it's a, it's a sacrifice. It's tough this year. And schools have been very creative in offering those types of activities virtually, but it's, it's just not a normal year. And I do think there's um, great anticipation for a vaccine and hopefully a return to normal life. Yeah, I think as we're moving forward... I predict it'll be kind of a tough winter because it's going to get colder. People are indoors. But once spring hits and then new life and warmer temperatures, I think we'll see some changes there. But uh, people have truly sacrificed. And I know for you, you have spent many long hours with your administration, with your teachers, with uh, your principals in the archdiocese. And you have done a magnificent job uh, for in-person learning. But it, it's it's wearing. It has to be wearing on you, Jim. I, I can sense it. I think we're all ready for Christmas break. But I, I will say this. We just got our first round of uh, standardized assessment scores. We have an assessment out there called the I-Ready, which is administered three times a year. 
and we just got our fall scores back, and they're very, very strong. Good. And especially compared to national norms, uh, particularly public school districts that we're learning virtually, we're doing very, very well. We haven't lost any of our learning. We're continuing to grow and push our students academically. And those scores, to me, were really affirming of our decision to offer in-person learning this year. Uh, we do deeply care about the academic growth of our students, as well as, of course, the social and emotional and especially spiritual growth of our students. Uh, but it was neat to see quantified evidence of our hard work this year through that assessment. Yeah. And I think when you also talk about people are getting kind of worn down, I think for many, many people, myself included, Thanksgiving was not the same. Did not meet with my family. No. And the same thing will happen for Christmas, which has never happened in my entire life. That's happening for many, many families where instead of being 20 people, it'll be seven. Instead of being 10 people, it'll be two. And, uh, and that's what we just have to kind of endure. We're going to go to break here. I'm speaking with uh, Dr. Jim Rigg, superintendent of Catholic Schools, the Archdiocese, co-host on the program Catholic Schools Today. We'll be back after a break here, 312-255-8408, 312-255-8408 on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Stay with us, and again, do not touch that dial. in our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. Catholic Charities Celebration of Giving is underway and we need your help more than ever. Now in its 73rd year, the Celebration of Giving was started by a group of adoptive parents who wanted to buy gifts for children who had not yet been adopted. This wonderful idea spread at Catholic Charities and last year 25,000 gifts were given to people who would otherwise have nothing to open Christmas Day. Our online partners make it easy to donate toys. Gift cards are so appreciated by teenagers too. Gather your friends, family, colleagues, and neighbors and join this huge, awesome outpouring of kindness that is filled with the spirit of Christmas. To learn more, visit catholiccharities.net slash celebration or call 312-655-7401. Thank you from everyone at Catholic Charities.
Welcome back to Catholic Chicago with today's special edition of Catholic Schools Today on WNDZ 750 AM. Our phone number 312-255-8408. Father Greg was along with Dr. Jim Rigg. And Dr. Jim, Dr. Jim Rigg, that was a very interesting first segment we talked about because it's so much on people's minds regarding coronavirus, the COVID-19. And so the reality is it's with us now. But I keep telling people God is with us. And God will see us through one day at a time, and this will end. But we have a tremendous program lined up, so I will let, turn it over to you to introduce our first couple of guests. Happy to, Father Greg. And again, I regret that I am uh, not face-to-face with you today, but hopefully sooner or later I'll be able to be back with you in studio to co-host the Catholic Schools Today radio show. Uh, but in the meantime... But Jim, I'm right now I'm waving to you on Here We Are live streaming... <laughs> I'm waving to you, Dr. Jim Rigg, and all the people who are viewing this morning. Greetings. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Greetings. But uh, still happy to uh, introduce our first couple of guests in our first segment. So, um, Father Greg, in the first segment, we were talking about how our teachers and principals and staff members have truly gone uh, well above and beyond this year in their service to their students uh, in this pandemic. And... um, you know, I think we have uh, in our first segment a wonderful example of a teacher who has gone above and beyond. I was uh, really pleased to see recently this teacher featured on the CBS Evening News, the national news, uh, for something that occurred just a short time ago. So this teacher is uh, John Little. He's a first-year teacher at St. Mary's School in Buffalo Grove. And during a recent uh, virtual learning day, he was teaching his classes remotely when he had to evacuate his home due to a house fire. Uh, John and his family quickly left their home, and he taught his next class from his neighbor's front yard. So he literally kind of grabbed his computer, uh, went to his neighbor's, uh, went on Wi-Fi, and continued teaching uh, in spite of the fire happening. Well, the house is on fire. <laughs> so, that uh, that is beyond, beyond amazing. Said. <laughs> yes. So uh, happy to welcome via telephone uh, John Little, uh, who is a social studies and religion teacher at St. Mary's School in Buffalo Grove, along with the principal of St. Mary's, uh, Miss Chris Gritzmacher. Good morning. Are you there? Morning. Glad to be here. Yes, good morning, good John. Morning. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Great. You know, John, when I got the rundown for today's program and I read that, I thought to myself, that is beyond unbelievable. <laughs> so maybe just for a moment to tell our listeners what happened on that morning? Yeah, absolutely. So I was uh, with my homeroom, teaching them some social studies. We were just going through the material when all of a sudden my brother comes into the den where I'm working and he says, hey, we got to evacuate the house. And I'm, I turn around and at first I was wondering, like, what's, what's going on here? But then I see, like, a lot of smoke coming up from around my living room and I just immediately closed my laptop, got outside. I think I kind of heard the kids when I was closing my laptop. There was a lot of confusion there. I didn't give them any kind of notice. It was just really quickly get out of the house. And unfortunately, I was uh, I got my laptop, but I forgot to get the shoes and coat on, so it was definitely cold out there. But I managed to get across the street to my neighbor's house where they were kind enough to offer me their Wi-Fi. And luckily, the fire wasn't anything major it very minimal damages we're very thankful for that so they were able to take care of that the fire department well i kind of was able to log back on with my students and they said what's going on and i'm like oh my house is on fire it's just and another typical credit, day of the week 
Yep, just yep. another day in the office, right? And to their <laughs> credit, they um, they showed a lot of concern. They managed to stay calm. They were obviously very surprised by that. That's not something you uh, typically hear at Monday 10 a.m., but throughout the day they did a really nice job just emailing me, checking in. They asked for pictures of the damages, so I made sure to post them. And then I uh, had to do my fourth-hour class outside just because the fire department was taking care of the uh, all the damages, making sure the house was safe to go inside. And that was really when I was starting to get really cold out there. I was sitting on my neighbor's backyard without any shoes or a coat, so uh, I credit those kids. I probably wasn't fully focused on the lesson, but they did a good job just going through and uh, also showed a lot of concern. And then fa- thankfully the fire was very minor, so by the time I had my lunch break, I was able to get back inside with some heating and uh, just go on with my day. Do you actually taught class with no shoes and no coat? Yeah. Outside. I didn't even think about it until I was outside for a few minutes, and that's when I started to get really cold at first. And this was like in the last couple of weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I believe, two weeks ago. So we're talking the end of November, early December. Yes. Now, just for, for uh, curiosity for our listeners, what was the cause of the fire? So that's a good question. It was in a really random spot of the house, the bottom part of the porch, we think it might be the Christmas lights, except they're hung above, so I don't know how the spark would have got down there. But it is a 100-year-old house, so it could have just been some wires or something that created a spark, and it just spread really easily, is what we're thinking. It's a pretty incredible story, and as wow. I said from the outset, I uh, was uh, happy to see this featured on the CBS National News, so you uh, garnered some uh, good attention. Uh, this has been such an unusual year. For everybody in Catholic education, though, of course, this is a very unusual uh, situation that you had to face. John, tell us just a little bit about this year. I mean, you're a first-year teacher. What has it been like to enter teaching for the first year amidst the pandemic? Yeah, so it's definitely been a year I'll never forget. Um, From the day one, what I really credit our staff here at St. Mary's, everyone I talked to was super helpful. They gave me all the materials I need. They've always asked, hey, if there's anything you ever need, please let me know. It was a really welcoming environment. Uh, obviously, it was not anything what I anticipated in my first year teaching. We can't, like, do so much group work or mix desks. And we, the teachers have to travel around instead of the students, so there's a limited amount of things we can safely do when it comes to teaching without, uh, with, while maintaining safety protocol. But overall, I would say we've managed to turn the situation into something positive. Our team here really has, I believe, created a pretty positive environment for the students, given the situation. I think most of the kids we have enjoy coming to school every day. And other than that, I think the masks was something that initially they had a little bit of struggles on. But pretty much every week, it just becomes more and more normal. And I think we've done a really good job just turning this unprecedented situation into a pretty good success. Now, Chris, I have to ask you, how many years have you been principal at St. Mary's? This is my second year. So even for you, you start a year ago, normal situation, but then this past summer, I take it back, your first year, the closure happened in March, which was part of your first year. Right. So this has been an incredible change for you. I mean, you are pretty much a brand new principal, and in your first year, you're hit with COVID-19 through the spring, through summer, into the fall. So in all honesty, it, it, this has to be very hard on you. 
Well, I'm not a new principal. Um, I've been doing this for about 40 years. I've been but you sound like about 29 years. years old. <laughs> wow. Okay, great. Um, I've been principal for uh, about 25 years, and I uh, retired from working in the public school system and, of course, knew that I would not uh, be retired for long. Um, hoped to be an interim principal and then decided oh, just go back full-time. So that's what I have done, and that's why I've been at St. Mary for the past two years. But um, I do have a lot of experience, and I can share that this year has been very unique in all of the years. Um, you know, when we trained to be educators um, and all the different case scenarios that we plan for as leaders and principals, this is something that we could never have imagined. Now, have you also found, Chris, like as a fact I'm the rector of the cathedral and you are a principal, so that as we moved into COVID-19 in the spring with the, with the shutdown uh, at home learning, the amount of work needed to make this huge transition from the classroom to e-learning and move it into the summer, into the fall, again, of course, you're back in school right now. But haven't you found that the work has been terribly magnified in all that you do? It really has. Um, last March when we left, we had a plan, you know, for, for snow days and what we would do because we wanted to have the kids continue to learn and not just shut down if we had those cold days and snow days. So we took that plan and started to work with it. Um, we were shut down on a Friday. We started e-learning on a Monday. So the teachers and I were learning um, how to do this as the students were learning. So it was really a challenge. Um, and, you know, we learned a lot from, from that experience. But then this fall, or summer to fall, has been even different than that because we have over 60 of our students whose families are choosing to continue e-learning. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have about 230 students in the school. So we're, we're you know, overseeing the e-learning and um, the education of the students right here in school. We're going to go to a break here on Catholic Chicago with today's special edition of Catholic Schools Today. WNDZ, 750 AM, 312-255-8408. Father Greg Sackowitz, Dr. Jim Riggin. Our guests are Chris Gritzmacher and John Little. Stay with us, and again, do not touch that dial. neighbor, warm and friendly thoughts come to mind. Think of smiles across the yard, positive wishes, and looking out for one another on an ongoing basis. Catholic Charities Neighbors in Need Fund inspires all of these and much more. We've seen an unprecedented number of requests for assistance this year from people who have never needed help before. When you make your gift to the Neighbors in Need Fund, you are igniting hope in the lives of your most vulnerable neighbors, especially individuals and families who continue to struggle to put food on the table and keep a roof over their heads. Your gift will give them the resources they need to overcome the unexpected, very serious circumstances in which they find themselves now. Give online at catholiccharities.net or call 312-948-6087. That's 312-948-6087. Catholic Charities Neighbors in Need Fund. Thank you for helping build a world of kindness, one neighbor to another. 
we invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. Catholic churches respond as the need to feed the hungry surges in the COVID-19 pandemic. Pope Francis's new encyclical and the call for mutual respect for all cultures. And a local priest ready to run even when the Chicago Marathon is canceled. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. There's nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here. If you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional, call 312-948-6951 anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago with today's special edition of Catholic Schools Today. Father Greg Sakowitz and Dr. Jim Rigg. The time is exactly 8.26 on this Monday morning. By the way, the Bears finally won a game. Folks, the Bears are not real good, but Houston's even worse. And uh, at least a win is a win is a win. So, Dr. Jim Rigg, take it over. Happy to. So, uh, before the break, we were talking with uh, two individuals from St. Mary's School in Buffalo Grove, Christine Gritzmacher, the principal, and John Little, uh, social studies and religion teacher. And, John, that was just uh, an incredible story about uh, your house fire and your dedication to your students and running out and uh, continuing virtual learning from your neighbor's front yard. Uh, Just a a really neat sign of the dedication of all of our teachers and staff members this uh, unusual school year. You know, Jim, I've I've been a priest now 41 and a half years involved with Catholic schools. I've never heard a story like that. That is, well, uh, here's the question, the story, Father. The if you were uh, in the middle of a homily and there was a fire, would you run outside and continue it? And would anybody mm. follow you? <laughs> <laughs> Unless they, they run out before, the, before my homily starts. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we uh, broaden the scope of the conversation a little bit. Uh, St. Mary's School is a, a wonderful school and offers so much to the, uh, the students and families there. Uh, Chris Gritzmacher, tell us a little bit more about some of the other things happening at St. Mary's this year. Okay, well, we have a very unique opportunity. Um, I, I've sent a lot of emails, and sometimes they're, you know, advertising. And um, I got one from Pauline Books and Media and um, Sister Helen Rita Lane. And this is an amazing project that we have been offered. Um, At first, I thought this sounds too good to be true, uh, so I checked it out with some of our leaders in the Archdiocese, and they said, yes, in fact, this this organization is very legit. So there is an anonymous donor who gives each fifth-grade student $50 cash, and what they are to do with this money 
is they are to think about and write about and select an individual person that they feel is in need. And they are asked to approach the project as a friend of Jesus reaching out to another friend of Jesus. So this is the Friend of Jesus project. Um, and it's, it, it's in its 11th year of operation. And I guess from what this is, I've read on the letters they've sent me is that over 5,000 Catholic school fifth graders have participated and experienced the joy of giving at Christmas through this project. So our students just found out last week that they're going to be involved in this. And um, it's just so cool. So, Chris, let me get this right. Every fifth grade in your school is receiving $50 for this project. Yes. In an envelope, just for them, $50 in their hands. That's an amazing amount of money. <laughs> I, I, I yes. And when you think that there are 5,000 Catholic school fifth graders over the last 11 years who have had the opportunity to experience this, who is this fabulous donor? Now, That's this, amazing. Yeah, this donor felt that fifth grade, I, I think that something must have happened um, in their fifth grade year, and they felt that fifth grade is really the time um, to involve students in this project. I'd be surprised as these children grow up, they in turn will not pass it forward with an idea similar to that, remembering Absolutely. their own fifth grade. That's right. a great story. Now, for a moment, John, we were talking uh, during the break here, uh, there's a program that you are heading up called like a reverse Advent program? Yes. So the assistant principal here at St. Mary's actually uh, sent it out to all of the teachers, and I decided to try to pick it up for my religion class. I remember one of my favorite memories of uh, going to church in Advent time was getting those Advent calendars and those uh, chocolates that for some reason are some of the best chocolates I've ever had. But I think that this reverse one, when I was taking a look at it, it just seemed like a really cool thing to do because as Christians we should be giving back to our communities. And what it is is each day of Advent, students are supposed to bring in a specific donation for a food bank, like December 1st was a box of cereal, December 2nd was peanut butter, and then it just goes down the line. What it's looking like so far is students aren't exactly following the calendar so much as they are just donating the food, and I told them that that's absolutely still in the spirit, just giving back to those in need. I think it's a really important year and important time to uh, keep that in mind. So is the food collected then in your room or something? So the food's uh, currently in my room, and I will send it down to the office, along with the other teachers who are doing it, and I believe it will be donated to a local food shelter. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's great to hear. This is a, a wonderful time, the season of Advent, to remind students of the importance of giving back to those around them. And both of these projects are wonderful examples of, you know, inspiring that spirit of giving within young people. Uh, it's important, and it's, a, it's an essential part, I think, of uh, an education in a Catholic school, that commitment to service, that commitment to, to helping those around us, particularly very, during a very difficult year. Chris, uh, before we get too far in, I want to give you a chance to uh, mention uh, St. Mary's uh, and your contact information. Uh, we know we have a lot of families out there beginning to look around for a school next year. Uh, and just as a reminder, we do have a very active website for the Archdiocese, archchicago.org. And if you click schools on that website, you can be taken to a school finder 
put in your zip code, and you will see Catholic schools around you. There are 199 Catholic schools in the archdiocese. You can't go wrong with any of them. And whether you're looking for an elementary school or a high school, uh, I'd encourage you to take a look at that School Finder website. But, Chris, why don't you give us the, um, the website and the phone number for St. Mary's School? Okay, so this is St. Mary's School in Buffalo Grove, and the website is school.stmarybg.org. One more time, Chris. School.stmarybg.org. And how about a phone number? And the phone number is 847 459 6270, and we are actually accepting 5th and 6th graders in January if there are uh, families who want to have their child come to St. Mary right now, we can get them in in January. How about the phone number one more time, Chris? Okay, 847-459-6270. Jim, ask another question. We still have time. Oh, happy to. So let's go back to John for a little bit. John, uh, we talked earlier that this is your very first year in teaching. Uh, I always ask this question of new teachers. Tell us why you decided to become a teacher and why you decided to teach at a Catholic school. So that's a good question. When I was in school, I was a pretty good student. However, I was someone who uh, often needed to be motivated by teachers in order to like be successful in grades. And often teachers' enthusiasm really rubbed off on me like I noticed that I don't think it's a coincidence that I teach social studies a lot of the teachers I connected with pretty much all the way from middle school up until high school were social studies teachers and I've always been someone that wanted to kind of make a difference in the world somehow and I feel like teaching is a great way to do that I'm not someone who could really work in an office building, so it's definitely good that I have a job that can I can kind of roam around, interact with people day in, day out. And why I chose a Catholic school, I actually went to a uh, Catholic school in Roselle, Illinois, St. Walter, Sure. grades uh, 1 through 8. So when I applied to St. Mary's, I remember talking about this in the interview. I said it would be really cool to uh, kind of give back my positive experience at a Catholic school to the students we have here in Buffalo Grove. Many years ago, I was near you, probably before you were born. I was at the uh, Church of the Holy Spirit in Schaumburg, and, uh, which is the Archdiocese of Chicago, and you border on the Diocese of uh, Joliet over there, mm-hmm. and now, of course, in Chicago. And just in the last minute, uh, uh, Chris, what got you into education and then in the whole sense of becoming a principal, which is a certainly different ballgame than being in the classroom with the children? Well, again, things happen for a reason. Um, I was going to school in business, and I have a friend who was working with a with a kindergarten classroom in the summer, and she went on vacation and asked me to cover. And there was a student who was a selective mute, and I was crawling around on the monkey bars with him. He hadn't talked to anybody, and he talked to me. And I wow. said, okay, that's it. I'm going to be a special educator. And then I... I um, talked with the principal at one point, and I'm like, wow, she is so wonderful. She's so delightful and just loves her school. I'm going to be a principal, too. So it all happened, like, in the matter of a week. That's amazing. Now, here's, you know, people have said in my life, and you hear it all the time, 
oh, what a coincidence. So someone may say of you, Chris, oh, what a coincidence you became a teacher, a principal. But the best definition of coincidence I ever heard is a coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. <laughs> it's a wonderful principle, a wonderful definition of coincidence. Well, what a coincidence. No. Mm-hmm. For the believer, it's the hand of God weaving through our lives. We need to bring this to a close. I want to thank in a very special way Chris Gritzmacher, principal at St. Mary's School in Buffalo Grove, and John Little, social studies and religion teacher, who I've never heard this before. His house starts on fire, or the porch does. He takes his laptop outside, no coat, no shoes, and keeps teaching. And he was on the National News on CBS some time ago. So may God bless both of you. Have a blessed Advent, Christmas, joy, and health into the new year. You're listening to uh, Catholic Schools Today. Father Greg Sackowitz, Dr. Jim Rigg, 312-255-8408. On WNDZ, 750 AM. Stay with us. And again, do not touch that dial. Charities After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit AfterSupperVisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope. It has been inspiring to see how individuals, families, and communities have found ways to help one another throughout 2020. At Catholic Charities, we usually have 35 to 40 events a year where we gather and enjoy time together in support of important programs and services while raising critical funds that allow us to respond to the growing number of people who are in need of the most basic necessities in life. Many of our events are now virtual. If you would like to be a sponsor for one of these events, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Also, visit us at catholiccharities.net slash events and follow us on social media too. We so look forward to when we can resume our events in person and reconnect with our friends and partners throughout Chicagoland. For now, please consider donating to Catholic Charities so our vital work can continue. Thousands of people in Chicago count on Catholic Charities every day. Please help us help them today. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago.
Father Greg Sakowitz, Dr. Jim Rigg, who's the superintendent of Catholic Schools to Archdiocese. And uh, you were saying, Jim, during the break to me, the Denver Broncos did win yesterday? Yes, my home team, uh, football team, or hometown football team, did win yesterday. They beat Carolina. They've had a rough season, I think, like the Bears. Uh, what was it, two weeks ago, where they, they didn't even have a quarterback that could play. They lost all three of their quarterbacks That's because right. of a COVID the infection COVID, issue. Yeah. Yep. And now, they, the Bears uh, are now 6-7. and seven. What's Denver's record? Are they about 5-8 um, and eight or 6-7? and seven? Yeah, it's like 5-8. and eight. It's a, a little worse than the Chicago Bears, something like that. So I, I'm not uh, holding out any hopes for any playoff appearances. But, you know, this has not been their worst season either. Here's the thing, though. is The very fact that the NFL is able to play any games this year is amazing, and they're trying to keep it together. But uh, I'm going to let you, let you introduce the next guest for the second pro- segment of our program, Jim. Very happy to on this uh, socially distant co-hosting role that I have. Uh, We mentioned during the first part of the program that uh, there are uh, such great advantages to having students in person in our Catholic schools this year. And uh, one wonderful example of that is at Most Holy Redeemer School on Chicago's South Side. Uh, So those uh, the students at Most Holy Redeemer are continuing to grow through in-person instruction, uh, grow academically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. And uh, recently, the students in the second grade received a special uh, gift from St. Nicholas. They received uh, some Bibles and candy and other gifts, and they also uh, recently made their first reconciliation. And then eighth-grade students are preparing for their confirmation and had a service opportunity with local residents who are homebound. And so to talk about these happenings and others, we're very happy to have on the phone uh, Miss Susan Duffy, who is the principal of Most Holy Redeemer this year, along with Jerry Tilkis, who's the second grade teacher, and Leanne Arifas, who is the director of religious education. Uh, so, Sue, Jerry, uh, Leanne, are you there with us? We are yep, here. here. Yes. Good morning. good morning, everybody. How are you? We're good. We're, we're good. Happy to be in school. And so, you are yes, well, in school learning at Most Holy Redeemer? We are. We have been doing in person learning since the start of the school year. Yes. Yes, we have. It's been it's been challenging, but we are happy to be here, and the kids are happy to be here too. Now, Susan Duffy, as the principal, how many years have you been principal there? This is really just my first year. I kind of got I got thrown in, uh, sort of unexpectedly. I've been the assistant principal here for many years, and this is my twentieth year at MHR. Well, and your first year as principal with COVID nineteen. Yep, it's been it's <laughs> been. It's been interesting, but we have a great staff what a here. Start. A lot of people been here for many, many years, and so we are. We have a great team. And Jerry, how long have you been teaching second graders at uh, Most Holy Redeemer? Uh, this is my second year uh, at for second grade yes. at Most Holy Redeemer. Um, I was a fourth grade sub for a while, and I taught at St. John Fisher for years. Sure, years ago, and then neighboring Southside Parish. And, came back. and Leanne, how long have you been the director of religious ed? Um, I just started in May of this year, so I'm a newbie. So all of you are really have come into a time where COVID hit, and yet you have moved forward, and I'm sure doing a tremendous job. But as I was talking to Dr. Jim Rigg before the program to our last guests, you know, all the work that this has created, it's like, you know, we're creating as we go along. There's been no playbook for this. But somehow great things are happening at Most Holy Redeemer. And tell us about the uh, second graders receiving special gifts from St. Nicholas, Bibles, and candy. Tell us more about that. Um, okay, this is, this is Jerry, and we've done this for years. Our, our um, 
my mentors, uh, Mary Beth McKinnon and Tina Pakelka, started this years ago, and they've both retired. But So on the eve of St. Nicholas, um, we put Bibles out on their desk with a candy cane, with a little poem. So when they come into school on St. Nicholas Day, they're surprised with their Bible. And it typically happens right after they've made their reconciliation, you know, and then right before we're preparing for their communion. They're all very feeling very holy, and their their halos are nice and straight and <laughs> bright, and <laughs> they just love getting the Bibles, and they think it's very exciting. And now for uh, Leanne, the eighth graders receiving segment confirmation when? Uh, we are scheduled for February 28th. And who's come, what bishop is coming? Bishop Casey. Oh, Bob. In fact, uh, Bishop Bob Casey, I recruited him, and I take it back, when I was on the faculty at Niles College Seminary, Starting 1985, uh, Bishop Casey was then an 18-year-old college freshman, and I was his priest dorm director. Oh, and Bishop Casey is—he's now the uh, chancellor, uh, the um, vicar general for the archdiocese, and doing a marvelous job. So you're very—you'll be very blessed to have uh, Bishop Casey for the for the confirmandi that day. We're looking forward to having him. Jim, you can take it over from here. Yeah, happy to. I was going to share uh, somewhere uh, deep in the dark corners of the Internet is a picture of uh, me dressed as St. Nicholas giving out gifts back in uh, my days as a Catholic school principal. Uh, so if you can find that, uh, good for you. <laughs> it's out there somewhere in cyberspace. Now, Jim, uh, about what year was, was that photo taken? Uh, I don't know if I should share because it'll make it easier to find, but it was probably <laughs> it was in the... Uh, kind of early, mid-2000s, so probably 03, 04, somewhere in that time frame uh, when I used to dress as St. Nicholas and deliver gifts to our, uh, it was, I think I went through all of our younger grades. I don't think I went to the older kids, but uh, it was kind of first, second, third grade, uh, those age levels. Uh, A wonderful experience. I'm I'm always surprised at how many uh, students don't know about St. Nicholas and don't know um, about the connection between St. Nicholas and uh, gift giving at Christmas. Uh, so it's a great educational moment. It's a great teaching uh, moment. I, not, Jim, I hate to interrupt you, but I have to tell this to Susan, Jerry, and Leanne that I've been doing this program for years now with uh, Dr. Jim Rigg, and he's a great, great superintendent. But Jim has shared with me more than once, he misses being a teacher in the classroom. Oh, as yeah. much as he Absolutely. loved being a principal I being and a superintendent. Teacher. I loved being a principal. And, uh, Me too. I never thought I'd end up as a principal, much less a superintendent. But I, you know, like everyone, I think we always have to listen for the calling of the Holy Spirit and go where we feel God is calling us. And the uh, same thing for, for you for too, sure. Susan. You miss being in the, in the classroom. I do. I do. I miss. I miss being with with my kids. You know, I always. I was lucky enough. I taught third grade many years here, and I taught all of Jerry's kids. All five <laughs> of her kids were in my class, and I always would say to them, you know, once a room 10 kid, you're always room 10 kid, right? <laughs> and um, I do. I, I miss being with, with my kids, but uh, this is, it's been an interesting year, for sure. And but on that note, Rick, uh, feel free to come dress up as St. Nicholas and pass out candy canes anytime you want. <laughs> anytime you want, Jim. I find my costume. I don't know where it is. <laughs> I, ho- I hope it still fits. <laughs> Jim, on that note, take us to break. Oh, sure. We've got much more to talk about here with uh, three great educators from Most Holy Redeemer School. So stay tuned. Do not go away. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes here on Catholic Schools Today, WNDZ 750 AM. 
Catholic Charities staff members work every day to end poverty and homelessness. We do this on a one-to-one -one basis with anyone who asks for help. We also work with organizations who study these issues across our city, state, and nation. The Wilson Sheehan Lab for Economic Opportunities, or LEO, at the University of Notre Dame is one of these research centers. Through our partnership with LEO, Catholic Charities has gained valuable insights into scientific evaluation methods that determine the most effective interventions to help people avoid poverty and homelessness. Along with our experience and compassion, trusted research is helping Catholic Charities offer hope and so much more to anyone in need. For more information, visit catholiccharities.net. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. Catholic churches respond as the need to feed the hungry surges in the COVID-19 pandemic. Pope Francis's new encyclical and the call for mutual respect for all cultures. And a local priest ready to run even when the Chicago Marathon is canceled. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. Catholic Charities Divine Affair home tasting parties are going virtual. This year marks the 20th anniversary of Divine Affair, the elegant wine tasting event that benefits our self-sufficiency programs. Low-income single parents with dependent children are trying to break the cycle of welfare and poverty. Today, the need is greater than ever as the COVID-19 pandemic has left thousands of newly struggling families in need of immediate assistance. You can easily coordinate a virtual wine tasting and help Catholic Charities at the same time. Each guest will enjoy a sample wine kit that includes wine and a guide, all courtesy of Lewis Glenn's Wines. You can gather your friends and family for this fun event or incorporate a celebration for a birthday, anniversary, or engagement at the same time. To learn more about a virtual home tasting party and how you and your guests can win fabulous raffle prizes, call today at 773-756-6937. That's 773-756-6937. Cheers! Welcome back to Catholic Schools Today, a special edition of Catholic Chicago here on WNDZ, 312-255-8408. Father Greg Sackowitz, co-host Dr. Jim Rigg. And Dr. Jim Rigg, I'll let you take it for the home stretch. Happy to. So we are talking with uh, three educators, uh, the principal, the second grade teacher, and the director of religious education from Most Holy Redeemer School, about uh, many of the great things that they are doing there in spite of the uh, ongoing COVID pandemic. And I know in the first segment we talked a bit about the, uh, the distribution of Bibles and candy to second-grade students as part of a St. Nicholas Day celebration. would love to uh, now focus a bit more on what the eighth-graders are doing for their confirmation. Uh, Leanne, I know that um, they recently participated in a service opportunity with local residents who are homebound. love to hear a little bit more about that and how you adjusted that opportunity uh, in light of uh, the COVID pandemic. Sure. So we, um, and because of COVID, um, service opportunities are very limited this year. And um, our youth minister had um, put me in touch with um, 
a, a nonprofit downtown, and they um, part of what they do is they find housing um, for young adults between the ages of 25 and 35 who are not quite ready to be on their own living. And so there are actually four houses within Evergreen Park where we are um, who house um, these uh, uh, individuals. And so last year, our youth minister had an in-person um, party for the holidays. And um, so she got me in touch with the woman and, from this company. And we decided to make um, a service project opportunity out of it. And we, um, I looked for uh, Christmas light donations uh, on social media and was uh, floored by the number of donations we, were, we received. Um, and so we went last Sunday morning and um, decorated the students and a couple parent volunteers at a social distance um, point, and we decorated the outside of the uh, house with Christmas lights. And then later in the afternoon, we set up a Zoom Christmas party um, with some of our students and parents, and we played um, virtual bingo and a virtual scavenger hunt with the residents. And um, we were blessed to have people deliver, um, uh, donate um, money so we could order pizza and dessert for the residents. And when that was being delivered, a group of us walked over and we started Christmas caroling and rang the doorbell um, from a distance. And the residents were just thrilled beyond measure, uh, dancing on the porch. Um, and it was just so nice to see the joy that that brought to them because due to COVID, uh, most of them have jobs, but because of COVID, uh, they are not able to leave the um, the residents. Now, Leanne, who was dancing on the porch? Um, the residents. They were. <laughs> they were, and I mean, to Silent Night, it was quite yes. It, it was, and we sang four songs. I've, I've never um, seen Silent Night people dance it, to that. And they did it, and they did it well, and we were so happy to see them so happy. It was a great opportunity, and so That's we marvelous. were we're very um, excited that we're probably going to do it for the upcoming holidays such as Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, and to do, just do a little something to bring them some joy into their lives. That's great. That I, is a great Melissa, story. Um, maybe back to you, Sue. Why is, um, why is service, particularly with junior high age kids, uh, so important? Well, you know, at, at that age, I think that the kids are starting to see there's more to the world than just their own little spot. You know, they're starting to understand that that there are people out in the greater world who who need something. They might need just friendship. They might need uh, assistance with the task. They might need um, donations of some kind. And as they're preparing for their confirmation, you know, um, that's a great opportunity for them to kind of step out of their own little bubble and start to see, hey, uh, there are things in the bigger world that, that I can have a positive impact on. And we have always had a lot of good opportunities for service. Our kids have done a lot of things, but it's been so much more challenging this year. Um, so uh, our, our middle school religion teacher and Leanne have really been encouraging the kids to kind of be creative and look within their own neighborhood to see what they can do. Uh, you know, people who need help in their neighborhood, go shovel a walk, go rake a leaf, um, you know, do things like that without being asked without being paid um, because they can't do some of the things that we normally would do, you know, go to Ronald McDonald House and prepare a meal or gather together and uh, 
make sandwiches and blessing bags for um, the homeless shelter uh, in Robbins, which is not too far from us. Um, so they've really been trying to be creative to find things. But, but the kids always love it when they do it. Sometimes they're like, oh, you know, another thing we have here making us do. But they always come back after doing any of these activities and go, wow, that was really cool. And, you know, I would like to do that again. And, you know, it opened my eyes to to needs of other people and not just myself. Now, Jerry, so, just in the last half minute, what's been the most challenging aspect with COVID-19 to be teaching second graders? Wait, I'm sorry, I didn't hear your question. What's been the most challenging aspect of teaching second graders with COVID-19? Well, I, you know, I, <laughs> all of it. Yeah, all of it, yeah. You <laughs> it's, like, it's like hurting no, it's, kittens. it's hard. We can't, you know, I can't call them up in groups. We yeah. can't, I can't give them a hug. We can't, you know, do... When we go out for recess, we have to still be socially distanced. And, we, you know, there's just so many things we can't do because we have to, you know, you stay social distancing. apart. And, yeah, it's been hard. But I will say uh, the, kids, the kids handle it better than the adults, I think. They've been absolute troopers. They don't, they don't touch their masks. They keep them on. They, they keep their distance. They, yeah. they are doing whatever they are being asked to do. I like your I comment. I think the children are just better than the adults. We need to bring the program to a close. I want to thank in a very special way Susan Duffy, the principal of Most Holy Redeemer, Jerry Tilkus, second grade teacher at Most Holy Redeemer, and Leanne Arethas, the director of religious education at Most Holy Redeemer. To Susan, Jerry, and Leanne, thank you very much. Did a great job this morning. Uh, great work of our co-host, Dr. Jim Rigg. Jim, I miss you here in person in the studio, but one day we'll be reunited in the studio here. Special thanks to our producer, uh, Jasmine Kiddos, our engineers, Michael May, Javi Garcia. To all, God bless. Stay healthy. Have a wonderful week. Thank, thank you. you. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.